Like it's only when I started to be able to process my emotions that I have been able to let other people who are going through stuff go through it without feeling like my whole safety net is being punctured, you know, mm-hmm. like it's my, I, I just noticed that because my brother's had some hard times and, um, and it would just wreck me, you know, it would just like wreck me. And it's not that it's easy to let him go through it now, but it's easier because I don't feel like I have to fix it and I don't leap. And I'm a better sister because I just respond and listen, you know, I don't shoot solutions at him that he doesn't want. I'm your host, Nick Willicke. Thanks for watching Flow State. Today's guest is journalist Anne-Marie McQueen. Anne-Marie has struggled with anxiety and depression for most of her life. In her early 40s, the coping mechanisms like intense exercise and binge drinking that had helped her to numb the intense feelings and emotions behind her anxiety and her depression stopped working. In this episode, Anne-Marie generously and vulnerably shares her own story of navigating the emotional, physical, and spiritual transformation of midlife. Thank you for listening to this episode. If the hero's journey of midlife is personally relevant to you, please check out Anne-Marie's newsletter at substack.com forward slash hot flash ink. If ruminating thoughts make it hard for you to fall asleep at night or to be present with the tasks and people who you want to be present with during the day, then try a 30-day risk-free trial of our THC-free focus tincture at Sojin. You can find that on our website and use the code FLOWSTATE at checkout for an extra 25% off on your order. Now, a conversation about anxiety, depression, and healing between me and Anne-Marie McQueen. Thanks for listening. When I was in my 40s and I was a newspaper editor, there's some trauma that comes with you and you have these coping mechanisms mm-hmm. and they just stop They just stop working. And I've seen it in men too. Yep. Um, so whatever it is you've done over time and whatever things you've thought about yourself, healthy or unhealthy, they're all challenged because you kind of hit a wall and I'd yeah. say this happened to me around 41, 42, because your chemistry just starts going awry. Mm-hmm. I've always had anxiety. I've always had depression. If the anxiety was out of control, then I would just create like workout, like just the most crazy workout schedules. And it would calm me down. Another coping habit I had was drinking too much. I was a binge drinker, you know, like I, I, I'm not a person who drinks during the week, but pretty early in my life, like 15, 16, I, I realized that if I was upset and I drank, at least I wouldn't think about it for a while, you know? So those are coping mechanisms. You get to your forties and those start not working. So you really, you really are having a hard time, you know, by doing those things, binge drinking and eating really, really healthy and working out, you're not paying any attention to your bad emotions, right? You're just shoving them down. You're shoving yeah. them down. Yeah. And you're I not think, sitting with the bad emotions, right? You're just like, no, trying to replace no. them and I, with endorphins. I never did. Trying to, um, put your mind, uh, occupy yourself so intensely with something in the present moment that is all consuming that you don't have to be present with those feelings. I didn't let myself ever sit with emotions. And so when you shove those things down, they're just always ch- dogging you and chasing you. And, um, you know, I was a chubby kid and I had stuff from my parents and I, I had a belief that there was something wrong with me that I, I wasn't like other people, you know, all of these things that I had to heal 
like, you know, I'd always heard about a midlife crisis and I just had multiple things. I had three things happen. I had a, I had a two year relationship that I found out that it was, everyone's talking about narcissists. I had a relationship with someone who was just, he wasn't anything that he said he was. He was a real charming, fun guy, but he, he was telling a lot of stories and I didn't know. And so I, I had a real, it was a huge shock. I found out in a week, a bunch of things about him and it was horrible. And I was shooketh because I'm a journalist and I'm supposed to have a good uh, detector for these kinds of things. But people like this are very, they're very good. So I was floored by this situation. And then an old, um, my first love came back into my life and wanted to re, um, reignite things after 18 years, we'd always sort of dance through our twenties. And so we started that romance and it was everything I ever thought it was. And I went to visit him and we were making plans, um, uh, for the, for their future. And my newspaper was being sold and I was on the committee to sort of oversee the, um, uh, sale and the, and the, the transition. And we all had to interview for her jobs and I didn't get my job. And so I, that was terribly shocking, but, uh, sped up my plans to go move to Canada to be with the first love. And then he changed his mind. So the combination of this first guy, like it was just a crazy eight months yeah. and I never really gave myself time to, I didn't have time to sort of really fully process the first thing before this other guy. Anyway, I was flattened. Like I've never been like that, you know, and my job ended and I just, and I think that's like, just a, I'll pa pause there, but I will take a the story. But I think that's such an interesting thing. The way that you said it is I didn't have time to process because I, that is some, another guest, Erica Hallwell set was talked for an hour basically about processing and how in our society, things move so quickly that Ugh. nature has a way of, of processing stress. It, it, there's natural cycles and it takes a certain amount of time to, for nature to, for something to kind of work its way out, work its way through in nature. And animals are like this, you know, an animal will go after it's attacked or experiencing a traumatic situation, it will go and it will lay somewhere and it will hide. And it has a natural cycle. Yes. And, you know, in our society, you know, taking that time to process, it has to be a conscious choice. Oh, I love that. There were, uh, there was a group of people who did lose their jobs and they were all rushing to get other jobs. And I consider this a really pivotal time in my life because I was like, I can go get another high paying job, but I mm -hmm. said, if I go get another job, nothing's going to change. Like nothing is going to change. I'm just going to go get another job. And, and I knew inside me, like under all that pain, I knew that I had other things to do, but I really had that time. And I, I took it, but I was in my kitchen making tea and this was in my head. Just why doesn't anyone care? Why isn't anyone helping? I was thinking about my brother. Like, why isn't he calling? Why aren't people doing like, right. it's crazy. It's no, like, and I just had this moment where it's like, because it's you, this is your responsibility. Like this is entirely yours to fix. No one's coming to fix mm. this. No one can fix this. It was just this moment. Like, and then from there it's been up. Yeah, it's got a lot better after that. It always goes back, I feel like, to childhood. Um, mm -hmm. The way we learn. Um, I had a relationship with my family where I had eight siblings and two, and, and uh, yeah, eight siblings. <laughs> I like the look on your face. And uh, I, I'm the oldest brother, and I have a major just other people being happy is kind of what makes me happy. And right. so I just want to people please and make sure everybody's okay and safe and happy and everything like that. And so 
surrender, giving, surrendering that and letting myself be okay with just me being happy. That was a transformation. And, um, that was, you know, it's just like you said, it's nobody else can make me happy. And needing to make other people happy is actually a weight that you put on other people, right? Because you're saying, Hey, I need you to be happy in order for me to be happy. And, and it just pushes people away. You know, it just pushes people away. It's like, it, it doesn't help you or them. And it's great. You know, it's, it's better. It makes, it's happier. It's a better life. I think to just say, Hey, you know, like I'm responsible for my reality. I create my reality. I treat other people. I treat myself the way I treat myself. I treat other people the way I want to be treated. And I'm responsible for that reality. And I'm responsible for my feelings too. Like I can't control what other people do to me, what they say to me, how they treat me. If they want to be with me, if they don't want to be with me, if they want to, I can't control any of that. Like I can control what I do, what I say and what I think, which is, I think really important. What I think about all of that. That's a long process. But when you, when you talked about other people, like I think when you don't let other people be the way that they are and you're trying to make them happy and you're, you're not, you're not okay unless they're fine. That's it's, it's really manipulative Mm. in a way. Like, but also it's, it's, I think it's because you're not okay with your own emotions, right? When you're Mm. shoving your own emotions down, anyone else's emotions are going to be uncomfortable for you. Like it's only when I started to be able to process my emotions that I have been able to let other people who are going through stuff go through it without feeling like my whole safety net is being punctured, you know, mm-hmm. like if I, I, I just noticed that because my brother's had some hard times and, um, and it would just wreck me, you know, it would just like wreck me. And it's not that it's easy to let him go through it now, but it's easier because I don't feel like I have to fix it and I don't leap and I'm a better sister because I just respond and listen, you know, I don't shoot solutions at him that he doesn't want. Yeah. I guess take us through kind of the, the, the healing part of that journey. Really at the beginning of the pandemic, I went on this sort of real awakening and, uh, I was dating someone really much younger than me, like 18 years younger than me. And I had a big misunderstanding with him. Uh, he, he had to go away for work and it was, it was a big misunderstanding. And, um, he came over to explain what had happened. And I realized it was completely different from what I, I thought he was ghosting me and he wasn't, he'd called me a couple of times. He just wasn't texting very much. Came over and explained it to me. He left. And I just remember thinking that is not at all what I thought. And I, I do this all the time. I always think it's ending and I can't enjoy it because I, and I, it's like, I've never thought of myself as an insecure person, but it was like uncovering more of this attachment and more of why I felt like I didn't value myself and mm-hmm. why am I not showing up with people? And so learning and then learning about attachment and learning. And then I just started dating like absolutely like crazy in the pandemic, all this op- really nice people. Like I had said, I had had attracted like sort of not great people before. And this time it was different. Like I was attracting different people. I had different relationships. I mm. mean, I dated more than probably 12 or 15 people and I just learned so much from all of them. And I started showing up and saying things and saying how I felt. And through mm. that, like that's been the, one of the, that's where I've realized, like, I don't have to be on my own to like heal, like actually interacting with other people is helping me yeah. learn about myself, you know? And that's when I started to change this. Cause I really always felt like there was something wrong with me cause I'd never gotten married or had kids. And I just started to let it all go. There's a Albert Einstein quote. 
like life is like riding a bike. Like you have to keep moving to keep your balance. And mm-hmm. I just love that because not retreating into like, I want to be wait till I've got it all together and uh, and I'm perfect in order to like be who I am and then feel like I need to withdraw. It's like, Hey, like bring everything, you know, like bring everything into anything. And like, just that's who you are. Like 110% of you own all that. Like there's no shame in that, you know, like that is really in your mind. That is in our minds. You know, the shame that we put on ourselves is in our minds. It's not in other people may treat us a certain way, but the shame is in our mind. You know, it really is. And just freeing ourselves, releasing ourselves from the care of what other people think is the best thing that we can do for everybody, for everybody, you know, for the whole, everybody in the world, the everybody of humanity yeah, like, <laughs> in a way to live a great, like free, vibrant life. I think honestly, like really, 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 and have great, have great intimate relationships, have great friendships. I want to ch- chat about hot flash before we, before we go today though. Um, Hot Flash is your organization to help women who are going through or experiencing symptoms of menopause. Well, it started out because when I was 47 and I realized I was in perimenopause, I made a Google alert. And then what information I had back was just terrible. I just (laughs) thought this content is terrible. Like it's either looks like it was bought from freelancer.com by someone who just like Googled or, or it's really negative and like fear mongering, (laughs) like daily mail. I basically originally was like, okay, I really want to inform people because there's so much stuff that isn't being covered. And I noticed early on that it's very heavily focused on hormone therapy and there's a very heavy pharmaceutical narrative. And it was very polarized. It was like either hormone therapy or natural. And I just thought that there was so much space in the middle. So that's only Mm. gotten worse. But I just thought I want to inform, I want to inspire and entertain. I started Mm. out with about 200 um, people that I knew. And then it's been about two and a half years. And I have about across all platforms, about 25,000 people now. You know, like anything, as the time has gone on, I've been like, okay, there's a real narrative here pushing hormone therapy as like the silver bullet. And what's getting lost is what I believe. It's this major life shift of where you you heal and you come into your own and you figure out mm-hmm. how you want your life to be. So I've started to feel even that it's more important than even when I started. For people that are listening, what's the best way for them to to connect with you? Like where would you, you know, suggest they they find you? Okay, so all this like Twitter, TikTok, um, Instagram, I'm a hot flash inc, INC, and then I have a website, Hot Flash Inc. Substack and podcasts are the two like deepest, you know, like it's hotflash.substack.com. It's been beautiful. Um, and I just enjoyed this conversation and enjoy your story. So Me thank too. you. I did. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating on Spotify. I'll see you guys next time.